0: This is our league and this is your league. Broadcasting from the 55-yard line in Japan to the shores of the Great White North and everywhere around the world on Gridiron America Radio and the Sports History Network.
1: Hey everybody! Welcome to From the Fifty Five Yard Line, and it is just myself with legendary Upton Bell sitting here. I'm in uh, Japan, and Upton is in you know freezing his butt off up there in Boston. And it is Upton and I for uh, for a nice hour or so chat here to talk about all things football. And anybody who is listening to this podcast for the first time. If you don't know who Upton Bell is, well, the links are there. Upton is a living legend in the NFL, son of former commissioner Burt Bell, former general manager of the New England Patriots, and former owner of the for, former owner of one of the franchises in the World Football League, and a man who has interviewed. How many presidents have you interviewed, Upton?
2: one for a long time in the. F- the other ones I met, including Harry Truman.
1: Yeah, and Upton, and that's you, you. it's when I talk to people about you, about you know, I mean, you and I are friends. I mean, what's this? This is not the first time you and I have talked. You and I have talked many, many times. Heck, I was sitting in a bar in Chicago, and you called me up out of the blue just to check on how things were going with our move. And when I was in Boston, obviously with COVID and everything, we we couldn't see each other, but. Um, yeah, you called me every day, gave me my wife and I some great uh restaurant recommendations. So um I've been looking forward to sitting down here talking with you for a long time. So thank you very much.
2: I'm great at restaurants, I'm great at travel, I'm great at everything <coughs> but sports.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but you have spent a life around sports, and that's um, you know, your book President the Creation is is one of my favorites. And, um, I mean, you've, 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 you've seen it all. You've not, you know, when I talk and my, the first subject that I want to talk to you about is, um, Lombardi, I just finished up the book, um uh, when, when pride still mattered. And it was curious as I was reading the book, very little mention was given to your father. And I would just wanted to give you the floor and tell, you know, tell everybody more about Lombardi, your dad, you the floor is yours well uh,
2: first and foremost i do know the author david moranis who i like very much and actually is in my other collection of the upton bell collection which is all the authors i've interviewed over 50 years and i like david and it's ironic because when the book first came out i interviewed him and told him on the air i said david you probably were, were not and he's he's a terrific researcher he's not somebody that just goes out there and throws crap together i said but the thing that is wrong in your book is that it's that the Maris were the ones that sent vince Lump, Marty to green bay it wasn't it bert bell my father who was the commissioner at the time that Green Bay is in really deep trouble. They need a stadium, uh, which he finally got for them through uh, borrowing money from CBS to finance a new stadium. And then he said, We have to do something, or Cleveland, or, or I'm sorry, or Green Bay is out of it. So he said, I need for you to send Vince Lombardi there. He's a disciplinarian, he's a great assistant coach with the Giants. And that's how Lombardi ended up in Green Bay. Uh, but And Moranis said to me, as honest as he could be, he said, you know what, Upton? He said, you're the, one of the few people I did not interview. said, if I had, I would have known that. Now, the other thing is that HBO, that also did the life of, of Lombardi, they got it wrong, too. And I think uh, the producer of it was... David Bernstein, I don't know if he's still there, probably is now, and I told him the same thing. <laughs> History is written, they say, by the victors, but sometimes even the victors get it wrong. So a lot of times they do. So that that is the true story of how Burt Bell twice saved Green Bay the first time. And actually, you can go on and see a video I think it's in my collection, that he actually called Hex Ram who had left the Rams and went to CBS. He said, listen, I've got a problem. Can I borrow $100,000? We, we need money. It's back in the 50s. Right. He said, right. well, Green Bay could go under. And he said, Hex said, uh, I'm not going to lend it to you, Bert. I'll give it to you. And so he gave the money to Green Bay. And then finally we had the dedication. And it's really funny. At the dedication, tricky Dick Nixon showed up, the vice president. And there's a thing of my father giving a speech at Green Bay at the dedication of the stadium. And Nixon was there for it. So Green Bay can thank, I mean, you're not going to hear it today because the only thing the networks do now is self-congratulations. And so the, the Green Bay Packers can thank Burt Bell for saving them twice.
1: And your relation, your dad's relationship with Lombardi, what was that like?
2: Well, he knew everybody. I mean, he didn't know Lombardi intimately. He knew of him. But remember, I tell people, they forget Burt Bell founded the Eagles. Well, I was 50% owner of the Steelers, mm-hmm. but he also was a quarterback and a coach. And those and, and that's what I think gave him, unlike any commissioner in any sport, the insight and how to look into the future because he knew what it was like to get knocked on your ass. He knew it was like to throw a forward pass, and he also knew what it was like to continually lose as an owner and a coach, because, you know, they didn't have enough money to do it. And that, and out of that came Burt Bell founding the draft or the NFL again, would have gone under there were two 22 teams since the founding of the NFL. And I'm sorry, 27 teams have went out of business. And yeah. That's
1: something people don't went. realize that, you know, for the longest, you know, when the NFL first started out, it was it was, it was a year to year proposition for the league.
2: It was going out of business until he went to the owners and he said, "Listen, I'm the weakest link in the in the chain, and uh, I'm recommending that the we have a draft and when in the inverse order, the more you lose, the higher your choice is." And he finally pushed it through in 1935, and the first draft was in 1936. They didn't have that. It was the Bears, uh, the New York Giants, the, the Washington Redskins, and, and the, believe it or not, Packers. I mean, people talk about Lombardi, I'm jumping all over the place, but Curly Lambeau was the genius of the Packers, kept them alive, was in, I think, the first and second Hall of Fame, Ballot Lambeau feels named after him. Curly Lambeau was a brilliant coach and a wild man, an absolute wild man. In fact, an author from Chicago called me about a month ago because he's doing the life of Curly Lambeau, and we talked for hours about Lambeau and and his uh, influence. Uh, as the coach of the Packers. He also had a wild life. I think he was married to three or four different women. He, I, I, he, he had a life that they should make a movie about. I mean, they make a movie about everybody. But this guy was unbelievable. Forget Lombardi. Lombardi certainly was, was a great coach. But, but Curly Lambeau was incredible player, coach, drafter, everything. And he kept them alive. So, again, as I said, I'm jumping around, but Burt Bell knew, Burt Bell, I I know commissions don't do it anymore, and that's not a knock on them. Burt Bell could walk in a locker room. Every player knew him. Uh, Every player knew that he he wouldn't bullshit them. Uh, Every player knew that, unlike today, that he would take, the part of the players over the owners, if he thought they were right. And look at all the other things he did. Television, the draft, um, ex-FBI agents in cities around the around the league. He kept the league going by merging the Eagles and the Steelers, and then later the Cardinals and the Steelers during the Second World War, and and told the owners if they closed the league down, they close it down, they would never open it again. And he was right, because along came the All-America All Conference, and one of the teams in it was the Chicago Dons. So, or the, there was the L.A. Dons, but the Chicago had a team.
1: Yeah, so, the Rockets.
2: The Rockets. But wherever you look in the NFL, you will see Burt Bell's fingerprints. Well, but I'm glad. He I'm knew. Glad,
1: oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
2: No, I said he knew. Yeah, well, a lot of people don't know. I put it out on social media a while ago, uh, watching the Rose Bowl, the the Michigan-Alabama game, is that Burt Bell threw the first pass in Rose Bowl history. I didn't know that. It was one of the few Ivy League teams, Penn in 1916, 1917, played in the Rose Bowl against Oregon. They lost. Uh, I think it was 14 to nothing. And I, I was trying to get, because I think actually NBC has the video of it. Burt Bell threw the first forward pass on wow. it. And, and, and when the Ivy League was a power, he led Penn to the Rose Bowl. Never happened again.
1: Wow. Well, I knew so, he led him to Rose Bowl, but I didn't, you know, until I, I didn't know your dad threw the first pass in Rose Bowl history. Wow.
2: Not only that, he, he coached then later on with John Heisman for the Heisman yeah. Trophy. He, he, you know, his ex- extended experience before he even became commissioner prepared him uh, to be the most seeing, whether I'm his son or not, most yeah. seeing commissioner. And back to back, I saw NBC News about seven or eight years ago when they were doing something on the NFL. They wouldn't use it and I know why. I said the greatest combination of back to back commissioners and and sports history was Bert Bell followed by Pete Rosell.
3: Mm-hmm. Now
2: I knew that they, I didn't give a shit. I knew they wouldn't use it because they're they're not gonna put it on there when Goodell was commissioner and, and in charge of the T V. But I I got it in, I got it in anyway. I could care less. But when you think about all that and, and you see his vision. A lot of people probably don't know, maybe you do, Greg, but the first televised game in history was Burt Bell's Philadelphia Eagles in nineteen I think thirty six to thirty seven. Burt Bells Eagles against the Brooklyn. The Dodgers. Eagles. Yes. The, yeah, there was a football team and the World's Fair had come to New York and NBC wanted to experiment with a football game to show it at the World's Fair, and that's what they did. And, and the great thing about it is that he realized that day that television was the answer, that, that the NFL was, was the most televisable of all games, and that's why even though they say that Pete Roselle was was the guy that really bought TV, Burt was really the father of modern television. With the first national television contract that he signed in the 50s with the Dumont Network, way before the ABC Monday Night Football that started in 1970. So there's history everywhere. And he made it all. But he also understood the game was the player. Now the game is not the player.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: No, I agree with you. The game now is how many games can we play? How many TV contracts can we get? How much money can we make? And that's fine. I understand all of that. But there are 17 games now. Half the league is hurt. All, all All but a few quarterbacks are not playing. They play on Sunday. They play on Monday. They play on Thursday. At the end of the season on Saturday, the body cannot take that type of beating. And it's funny, I go all the way back into the middle 60s having conversations with our players at the Colts. So I said to them one day, you play on Sunday, how long does it take the body to recover? And all the players said the same thing. Usually by Saturday, you might feel better. Might Mm -hmm. feel better. So now these guys have to play on a Sunday. They, then they have to play on a Thursday. They're playing instead of 16 games, they're playing 17. And I'll tell you what, pretty soon it's going to be 18. And, and that's where it's headed. But your major product, your players, are now just guys that are out there.
1: And with the player, I mean, obviously, the conditioning of the players today is so much different than from what it was even back in the '60s. Um, but let's go back to the '60s. For people
3: who right, don't let, know, let just,
2: you. Oh, wait, go. Wait, wait, let, me, let me just interject here.
3: Yeah.
2: Here's also the problem. So your your players are approaching. Your offensive defensive linemen are approaching 400 pounds. Yeah. Our, yeah. Your your players are, are, are just so big that the collisions are horrific. I mean, I have three sets here, and, and so I get all the games. And I have one set of 75 inches. I can see the whole field. I can see the collision. And I'll tell you, sometimes I even have to turn my head, and I'm used to you know, the game, and I'm used to the violence of it. But that's the other problem, that the players are so big and so well-conditioned and so good, they get a flying start. And, you know, look at what's going on on the sidelines. I mean, you have the medical test. Jesus, every, every minute there's somebody in the medical tent.
1: And when it comes to the players of today versus the players back then, so one of the, you know, a lot of people forget that you were, I mean, you were part of the Colts for how many years? Ten. Ten. So you started with the Colts in what, what year was it? Was it? I can't remember. It's in your book, 19, obviously. But,
2: 1960 to 19, well, 70, 71. Yeah, yeah. And, so during and that –
1: Oh, go ahead, Upton. I'm sorry. Perfect. I didn't mean to over, over-talk
2: you. I, I, I said the players then were big, but now they're three times the size. And, and one of the other interesting things, because I can make all sorts of comparisons, is one of my reasons for saying, and, and I, people agree with me that know the game, is that players worked themselves in the shape. They came into training camp, uh, there were six preseason games, but the players didn't play in all of them. Um, and by the time started the season, they were all in good shape. Now you have you have two or three pre-training camps, then you have training camps, and then the players' association made a deal with which which, which has come back to haunt them that they wanted less practices, less padded practices, less scrimmaging in camp. Less during the season, and as a result, they're getting more damn injuries, and and now they recognize it, but they've already, you know, agreed to it. So, you wonder why there's so many injuries. You wonder why there's so many bad games. I mean, I'm, t- I'm talking about real mediocrity, and and the reason is that these guys are only getting shape. Because they're not used to hitting by mid-season.
1: And, you know, back in the 60s, I mean, everybody, I mean, it was, how long, training camp was what, two months back in the 60s?
2: Oh, it's about, we went in July and broke, like just before the first week in September, something like that. Well, that's the other thing. You went away, and uh, players knew how to bond. Yeah, uh, you know, there, there, they, there was something about it. And again, I want to be very clear to your audience. I don't think uh, just because it's today that it was better when I when I was uh, with the Colts, let's say, and then later with the Patriots. The game is the game. The players, everything is imminently better today. But what is missing is the immediacy of, of of the problems. And it's almost like they become too refined to the point now where players are brittle. Even though they're bigger, they're quicker, they're faster, they're stronger, they're everything. Then, now... Then, you know, you played 14 games and then eventually 16 games, which was finally changed. Players did play themselves into shape. Players did get hurt. The other difference is now you can't touch the quarterback. You can't touch the receiver. Uh, You blow on the quarterback. That's it. Then forget it. I mean, the quarterback was fair game on every play. But you know what's ironic? There were less injuries. The game was much more brutal then. Uh, you, you know, the hitting was really something. But you didn't have the injuries you have now. Right. You can be too finely tuned. You can you you can have a situation of where these guys are flying around. The other thing is, nobody tackles anymore the human spears. You know, they – so now they've had to, you know, refine things. There's no longer a kickoff, rarely a punt return. And the reason is that now they, they, the, the rules committee, and they realize that they've come so far that – and the players are so good and running at such high speeds uh, that the injuries on a kickoff are, you know – a lot of head injuries yeah. and, and things like that. But what do you get on the other hand? You're taking a play out of the game. I'll be dead a long time, but it will it will come back. You you will have flag football someday. Uh, the game is being played on the outside now anyway. It's an outside game. Right. And if you don't have a good receiver and the guy can throw, forget it. But they're getting What's the what's the Pro Bowl now? The Pro Bowl is now Flag Football.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, let me ask you: so, When it comes to the rules today, I mean, uh, you knew Johnny Unitas. You know, you saw. I mean, no. uh, how would Johnny Unitas have played? How what would his stats have been like compared to say Tom Brady if he were would have been you know if he would have been able to play you know for in the two thousands. Do you think his stats oh, for, for, would have been better?
2: Oh, yeah, because Unitas was always under deep pressure, even though we had a good offensive line. He didn't give a shit. You know, I, I said that I was asked, who were the two greatest quarterbacks I've ever seen? I said Tom Brady and John Unitas, because of the way they could pick things apart, the way they stood in the pocket at the last minute, their intellectual understanding of the game that really is quite complex and even more so today, is that they just knew there are some people, uh, whether they're uh, performers, you know movie stars, you know, just the Einsteins, the great, you know, the, the great people were that they see way ahead of things. These two guys were like these two great scientists that didn't have neither one of them had really playability as far as athleticism is concerned, neither one of them were runners. Uh, n- neither, neither one of them could do what you see quarterbacks do today. You know, the, you, you've got to draft a quarterback today that that has to be able to run, has to be able to move uh, in the pocket. Look at look at the the quarterback at at Buffalo, Allen. He's incredible. He's six foot five. He's at almost 250. He's part of their running attack. Josh Allen is is like this super athlete playing quarterback. Neither one of those guys were that. But what they were were human computers. They knew right away. And, And, of course, now every play is called by an offensive coordinator. Every play is called defensively by a defensive coordinator. I said, for Christ's sake, when you have a genius like a Brady or a Unitas, you don't need anybody to call anything. They right. are the people that are on the field that see the game better than anybody. But that's what you have now. So yeah. there are better athletes. I mean, people like John Elway, uh, people like Dan Marino, great throwers, great athletes. Um. Joe Montana, I could name a whole bunch, going all the way back to Sammy Ball Yeah. Uh, that were better athletes. But these guys, these guys were, you know, it it was like watching Einstein, you know, with, with the theory, discovering the theory of relativity. These people were human scientists.
1: And with that, there was the other part with the Colts, with Don Shula. Now, obviously, every anybody who knows football history knows that, from what I've read, and I'm going to ask you, the relationship between Shula and Unitas wasn't the the greatest. But when it came to, yeah. Unitas called its own plays. So, what was the input on Shula from was Shula on the sidelines during a game?
2: Well, a couple of things. First of all, people forget the most underrated coach of all time. Was Wee Bubank, who was before Don Shula. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and we won the two biggest games in early NFL history. He won the he won back to back world championships, but he won uh, with the Colts in the first sudden death game, which again Bert Bell invented sudden death. Uh, and then he came back and upset us uh, while being you know like seventeen points. The Colts were seven, almost 17-point favorites, and he came back and upset us with Joe Namath and a great defense. Uh, he was he was really something. He's on my list of the 10 greatest coaches of all time. People have a tendency to forget him. But when Shula got there, he was the one that set up all the great defenses in Detroit when they had those teams, those great teams in the 50s. Uh, under Buddy Parker, uh, when he got there, the problem was they were both young. You know, Shula was just—I think he had just turned thirty-three, thirty-four—and when you're young, you think you know it all. And there, there were clashes, uh, and and this one particularly day, I, I was on the field. It was—I think, <laughs> pardon me, or the either the year. So we end up losing the Browns 1964 uh, or 65 when we lost to Green Bay and, and sudden death? And you know had set a play in, which is which was rare. You, United were so well prepared, you wouldn't need to send a play. And I think today, you tell us, uh, uh, you know Josh McDaniels, or one of these geniuses, he told them to go screw themselves. But <clears throat> Shula said in a play, Giants ran the play. And what happened was it ended up being an interception. And when he came running back to the bench, which you wouldn't see with these guys today, he said, if, if you, if you're going to call a play, get it fucking right. And <laughs> ran to the bench. <laughs> I thought, oh my God, are we going to end up in the fifth place here? But Shula said nothing.
1: And that was the last place sent in. And with those 60s Colts, you were down there for Super Bowl III. Um You know, I always hear people talk about the New York Jets side of things, but when it comes to the Colts, obviously, uh, I, I can't even imagine how big of a loss that was for the franchise. I mean, just what was it like after the loss?
2: Well, it was. I I, I think the week leading up to the game, I I think I told Shula. I said, you know, I think I, I I had a sense that our players thought that this was going to be, you know, an easy. It was going to be an easy game if they played their game, and it probably would have been. It would have been competitive, but but it, I, I think. I felt that the players were taking the Jets lightly. I think I said something to sure But what happened was basically in that game, because I was sitting with the coaches uh, upstairs in, in the uh, press box, and you could see, first and foremost, Jimmy Orr on the bus had said they're on the because I was on the bus. He, says, he didn't say it tomorrow. He said it to somebody else. He said, Senor. I hope Earl doesn't wake up today. And he was so pathetic with what he said because Earl did wake up. He wasn't the same player that when United got hurt that that led us, you know, into the Super Bowl and, and a huge 30, I think it was 34 to nothing win over, uh, you know, Cleveland. And uh, he did wake up and, and he missed it. The, one of the key plays was hand off to Tom Matty, you threw it back to Earl, and Earl had Jimmy Orr wide open in the end zone and then up throwing to Jerry Hill and that was it. Uh, that It gave the Jets impetus that they could hold us, and and the irony was that Tulip uh, was going to give Earl a first half and then Uh, give him a few plays in the second half. Now, Unitas claims that Shula told him that I'm going to start you in the second half. I don't know which one was true because I wasn't there on the field or in the locker room. But the Jets, I think it was nothing, nothing at halftime. The Jets were up 3 nothing. But I knew when we were in the locker room, even though Unitas' arm... Had been injured and still recovering, I thought if you put Unarius in there, uh, even if he can't throw the ball that well, they need something. And of course, it ended up. The Jets were smart. They ran the clock down. Uh, the, the, Matt Snell had a great day. They kicked all those field goals, and they end up beating us sixteen to seven. After the game, it was one of the few times if ever I saw an owner walk into the locker room after the game and tell the team he was embarrassed and he, he would never let that happen again. I mean, it was, I, I didn't see the, the, the whole speech that he gave to the team. It's unusual for an owner to do that. But then afterwards I was in the, in the shower room speaking to Alex Hawkins, one of our players, and Mike Curtis, who I had drafted, they called him Mad Dog. Thought we were laughing. We were laughing about how, how stupid it was we lost the game, and Curtis mistook it and threatened to kill Hawkins in the locker room. So it, it wasn't it wasn't good. And also on the way down the stands, I was talking to Dan Rooney. And he was talking about how embarrassing it had to be for the NFL to lose because the Packers had won the first two Super Bowls and won, uh, won against the Raiders, the last one, by a wide margin. And there's still belief that the NFL was, was much better than the AFL. So it, 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 was, it was a real shock. And then that night, Rick Volk, One of the other players I had drafted and one of our best defensive backs had been kicked in the head on one of the kickoffs and stayed in the game. Those days there were no tents. There was nothing, you know. He played, and he almost died that night at the hotel. In fact, if the doctor hadn't come in and and pulled his tongue out, he he would have died, right? They put him in the bathtub and iced him up. I mean, it was just, the whole thing was bad. It was shocking. Here is what happens by one act of losing that game. In the next three years, Don Shuler was gone next year. I was gone two years later. Harry Hume, the general manager, was gone. And practically everybody who was there was gone within three years. If we had won... I might never never have left Baltimore because mm. I was a kid I mean I was I by a kid I was I was really mature but I was only like 27 28 years old
3: mm-hmm.
2: and I mean guys today don't even get jobs like that but I've had so much success and I'm not bragging I'm just saying I had so much success I said why do I want to be a general manager right now? You know, I'm still so young. You know, them general managers didn't get jobs till they're in their 50s. Yeah. And I was happy in Baltimore. I liked Shula. I liked everything about it. Loved the town. And there were all of us. George Young, who went on and and was my assistant and now is in the Hall of Fame, he got fired. Everybody either got fired or left. And I say that was the game that changed all of our lives forever.
1: And then you went to New England. Well, back then they were called they were called the Boston Patriots.
2: Um Yeah, I, I, I got the coaches, I got the owners to rename them. The, the huh? New England Patriots because we were moving to Foxborough out in the middle of nowhere and we needed I told them we needed to draw from the four or five new england states and i finally convinced them and i said you can't call them the bay state patriots i said because the newspapers then they were newspapers were writing the bs patriots i said you want people to say it's the bullshit patriots ridiculous so i have to take credit for that i am i am the father of that name every
1: time you know it's funny every time i see um you know i'll go through the you know just Catch up with my football history. I'll see every now and then. I'll see that reference, and I just smile. I go, "That was Upton's idea to name the New England Patriots." I think I even told my wife that one time. We were, and she was like, "Oh, that's nice." You know, my wife. Yeah, Norco doesn't, you know, really. She's not into football like I am. But yeah, no. Every time I see, and let me ask you this too. And this is just completely off topic. Um, why didn't the? And obviously, this happened long after you were gone. But why did the Patriots stick with their? the old school Pat Patriot that I grew up knowing and loving from, you know, what's, what, like what? Ever,
2: what's like everything today. I mean, the, the old is no good and the new is good. Yeah. And, and when NFL properties, I mean, all these things are huge. Now, all the, all the accessories, but actually the game itself is so is, is new. with out with the old uniforms, out with the old helmets. Let's have <laughs> the the flying Elvises. Let's and and that's fine, but you've got to keep some tradition. Yeah. But, but listen, I'm not lamenting it because I don't really care, but but those days are gone, and I'm just lucky enough that I saw it from almost the beginning. I'm well, I'm lucky. I look at it this way. I, I love watching the games. I do a lot of reports on them. People, I, I probably get three to four calls each week from historians from everywhere that want to know what it was like because when I'm gone, there's nobody left that knows what it was like.
1: And that's why I like spending time with you just talking because you were there, like your like your book says. You were there, you know, from the beginning. And just to kind of circle it all back to the beginning here, because there's one aspect of your father as commissioner that I wanted to touch upon before I let you, before we ended um, our recording today, and that's the All American Football Conference and the NFL's response to it, because your dad was commissioner during that time period.
2: Well, first and foremost, he's the one that said, because he got word. Now, remember, in those days, yeah. you're a Chicago guy. Yeah. The biggest game the biggest game in football was the Chicago All-Star Game, when, uh, uh, and Arch Ward, who was the sports editor of the Chicago Tribune and one of the real powers in America, Arch Ward helped found that All-America Conference. Mm-hmm. But basically, during the war, my father got word, in like 1945, that a new league was coming in, and even though he had to deal with Arch Ward, he knew that that Ward was really didn't give a shit about the NFL and wanted a new league, and and he was the power behind it, and so. When the league was going to close down, back to my opening statement to you, when the league was going to close down, my father went to the owners and only got it passed by like one or two votes and said, as I said in the beginning, if we close down, we'll never open up again. And and there's also, he didn't say it publicly because he wanted to be careful. He also said, you know, that there's there's a new league coming up he had gotten worried about. And so what happened was that league, if they had had more money, like Lamar Hunt and the AFL,
3: mm-hmm.
2: they, they might've made it because I can tell you this now, I, I was still a kid to a degree, but I was a kid that I, I never thought I was a kid. I always thought I was an adult um, because that's the way I, I, I was brought up. It was great. I knew what was going on. I thought, the All-America Conference, Paul Brown, some of the other teams. I thought they were better than the NFL. I thought their players were better than the NFL. I was never surprised when, when the Cleveland Browns came into the league in 1950, and I saw the opening game, and they got into their training camp. And I told my father, privately, I said, I think the Browns are going to beat the hell out of the Eagles. And he said, don't say a word, Upton. I, I don't want you. I mean, I was 10 years old. No, by then I was 13. I said, writers are going to ask you what do you think, because I knew that my father always took us all with training camps. And I said, I said, you know, after watching Paul Brown and seeing Marion Motley and Lou Toe Groza, and, and all the great receivers, I, I said, no question of my mind, up will beat the Eagles who had won you know, back-to-back world championships. So I, uh, the thing that Burt Bell saw was that the All-America Conference was a real threat, even though they had financial problems. And that he began to negotiate. The commissioner of that league was Admiral Jonas Ingram, and I can remember one of the meetings in Chicago at the, uh, I, I, and I don't know if it's still there or not. I can always remember Chicago by going to the Sheraton Blackstone. Is it still there?
1: Yeah, it's still there, but I don't know what it's called now.
2: But who, who knows? But it was the spot. Uh, and uh, going, to, going to a dinner with Admiral Ingram, and his wife, and myself, and my brother. And I, I I, might be wrong on this one, because I remember everything. I think he was still wearing his admiral suit. <laughs> <laughs> might be, might not be, but it makes a great story anyway. It does.
1: And but, you know what? Those navy dress blues, that's a classic look anyway. So,
2: but, Oh, yeah, no that, he had all his medals on. Yeah. I, I, I could have been wrong on that. But I prefer to tell that story because it's a better story. But anyway, he eventually, I mean, he affected that merger, which I think saved the NFL uh, because it was a bitter struggle. And clearly the Browns were better than any team in the NFL. And, of course, proved it the first four or five years. That's Mm -hmm. why in my book. Everybody is talking about who's the greatest coach of all time. Is it Belichick, who's about to be fired? Is it, is it Don Shula? Is it Lombardi? Is it, is it uh, you know, Chuck Knoll? And I said, the greatest coach in history who changed the game, who brought so many things into it, was Paul Brown. No question in my mind, even today. He was so far ahead of his time. The IQ test. Forty-yard dashes, coaches working full time, film study—you uh, name it—and that was Paul Brown. Yeah. So he's the top of my list, and I have—I have, I have uh, Shula, even though he didn't win as many Super Bowls. I have Shula and Belichick next. Uh, although I've redone the list now, not in the book, and I've actually uh, put closer at the top of there with Bill Walsh, Vince Lombardi, and Chuck Knoll, uh, I, I had them either right there or, or ahead of those two. I, I, I know it's heresy somewhat around here, but I don't think Belichick was the greatest coach of all time. And, of course, today, the know-nothings who haven't been around to compare these guys. I mean, there are people like in their 30s around here locally or some of the national media saying, Belichick's the greatest coach of all time. And then when I asked them, I said, well did you did you see these other coaches? Oh no, I wasn't born then. I said, I can't I said, let me give you an example. I can't say Red Grains was one of the greatest players of all time. I say, because I never sold. I wasn't born then. I saw him on film and I liked him and thought he belonged to the Hall of Fame, but I can't say he was the greatest. And I said, You can't say somebody is the greatest if you haven't seen them. And that's what I find a, a problem today. Everybody's got this great and that great. I think the other big argument is this unfair or not. Belichick coach at Cleveland, been here for 23 years. He's won nothing since Brady has gone. Yep. Nothing. Bad. That doesn't mean he isn't really a terrific coach. He's just not the greatest.
1: Yeah. No, I agree with you. I agree with you.
2: He, you know, he got he got one of the two greatest players of all quarterbacks of all time. And, and now the players that's beginning to come out of... <clears throat> I saying that basically, uh, and this is not good for Belichick, but uh, we'll, we'll, there's a series coming up on Apple on the Patriots and their dynasty. And Danny Amendola, one of the players, said, "We we played for we played with Belichick, but we played for Brady. That's a hell of an indictment."
1: Yeah. Yeah, and also too, I maybe mean, you you might agree with me on this, but you know, I would say Belichick's the greatest coach of the 21st century. I mean, you could break it up that way, because obviously I would, the rules. I,
2: would, I don't know. I, I I don't know. I think he's really a good. Good coach. That's the other thing that's changed. If you don't know how to deal with today's player, right was completely different. You can't operate out of fear anymore. They'll tell you to go screw yourself. Yeah. You know, you, 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 the, the, the guys, the guy I love is the new coach, the rookie coach at, at Houston, D'Amico Ryan's. Oh, I love this guy. He was a former player. He then worked for the 49ers. Uh, I was asked today that, give my opinion on who was the coach of the year. I said D'Amico Ryan. So I said, you know who I think is the quarterback of the year? C.J. Yep. Stroud. Oh, my God. I mean, that guy's got a gun for an arm. He's got great poise. He's got everything. Uh, and he's really made that team. I, I I don't root, but I'm rooting for them Saturday.
1: And, that, and that's a franchise that everybody wrote off a couple of years ago with Sean Watson well, and all was- the and everything
2: well the the father who founded it uh i i didn't care for he died now that now the the son owns the team i i don't have a lot of time for him either
3: yeah but,
2: but that's that what are you gonna do Go yeah, in a
1: row.
2: yeah. Uh, well I, let me I, aim- I
1: right yeah Oh, go ahead. I didn't mean to over. I didn't mean to talk over you there.
2: No, I understand. Look, before we get off, I got to give you my p- p- penny of the week. Okay. Now, the, N- the NFL has slowly but surely going to what I predict will be the future. Uh, they first of all took the the Thursday night games free off the free network and put it on Amazon. And Amazon paid them millions of dollars for it. And therefore, you had to pay to, to, uh, for the season for Amazon. I think it's $14. Poor production, everything else like that really pissed me off. But now, what they've done is, and it's the slow, it's, I can see it now, the ebbing of free TV. So, the key game this weekend. It's going to be Miami and Kansas City, and and they are predicting it might be the worst weather we've ever seen.
3: Mm-hmm. So what
2: the NFL, so what the NFL did said, for the first time we're going to put a playoff game on this Peacock network, and Peacock is now part of NBC. So they tried it two weeks before, when Buffalo was playing the Chargers out, out in LA. And uh, they didn't get a lot of a lot of view. They didn't get the millions of viewers that they know and they only get. But I said to myself, Screw them, I am not paying to watch that game. But this weekend I'm forced to because the playoff game and I'm doing a lot of different interviews on it. And I'm saying to myself, I, I, I have said this on social media. I said this two years ago. I said the day will come when the NFL will charge you to watch the Super Bowl $25 or something like that per household and they'll make millions of dollars on it but slowly but surely you're going to begin to lose your, your TV
1: yeah I agree with you I but agree see, with you
2: then again Greg what you have is like them or not the, the old time owners uh, they didn't worry about having their picture in the paper or getting on TV. Every, every, every game I watch, I've got to see, now let's go up in the box and look at see the TV owner, blah, blah, blah. They go like, please, please spare me from this. But the other, the other part of it is that the people, the only people that can afford to get into the game today are billionaires. Billionaires are bottom line people, and I understand business and I understand bottom line, but they are not sports people. They're not sportsmen or sportswomen. They are business people, and that's how they made their billions. They are business people. I think we're losing some of the real heart out of the game. The old-time owners, I can find a lot of fault with them. They, they, they love the game. They love being part of it. They at least gave some semblance of caring about their players. But they're all gone now. And under, I understand everything changes. But now you've got bottom-line bennies in there that are going to say, well, you know what? If we can, if we can get millions of dollars for Peacock this weekend – uh, if, if we can do this, it's, it's it's all going to go to streaming video. Believe me, streaming is it.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I survived being here in Japan. I, without streaming, I would not be able to access, obviously, watching the NFL games. I agree 100% with you. I mean, we have YouTube, and uh, do you have the YouTube um, Sunday ticket package now?
2: Uh, no, because I tell them to go screw themselves. And <laughs> pardon my language. No, because I get the red zone. Uh, I pay okay. for the red zone, and and I and I do that. I wouldn't that, that and I understand because you're in you you're in Japan. Yeah. But but you do you have like ready. when? Oh, but
1: when you watch? Okay, so when you watch the Patriots and football, are you going over the air right now, or you got a cable package?
2: No, I'm. Well, I. I, I, I'm, I'm on Xfinity, which is total cable.
1: Right. But, okay.
2: But right. I, get the, I, get, I get the free TV. Yeah. I mean, I just pay Xfinity for, for that. So it's really okay. kind of over the air. Right. But, but these other ones, if you want Thursday night football, I mean, I could care less about the Sunday package because of so many lousy teams. And I can watch bits and pieces on the red zone, but, but I don't get the red zone. Uh, Or the Sunday package through YouTube. So, well, it's
1: well. The reason why I brought that up was because over-the-air TV, even from a technology standpoint, is going to gradually start fading away too. The free, you know, the old aerial. I mean, people right now. There's a lot of people that are cutting the cord and going to streaming, but they're also, you know, they still have the the rabbit ears and everything. But the, techno- the technological standards are changing where even that's going to start um, being phased out. So I, I agree with you 100%. Everything's going to be pay-per-view. I mean, you're going to have to pay for everything at this point.
2: So, well, that's right. I, I, and now, of course, when, when, when people are walking into each other on the street, uh, they can watch movies on their phone. They can watch stuff on their computer. I mean, I, 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 you know what? Since the pandemic... <clears throat> I haven't been in a the movie theater. I Yes, I went once to see Oppenheimer because I want to see it on a big screen. Mm-hmm. But I have a 70-inch screen. I can watch all my movies by streaming them. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I haven't seen a movie other than Oppenheim, Oppenheimer in over three years. All the good movies, you know, The Life of Leonard Bernstein with Bradley Cooper. Mm-hmm. I... I it's in the theater for about two weeks, but I can get it on Netflix. So, I mean, it's, 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 I'm paying because I don't want to go to a theater. And, and they know, for instance, uh, on, on the uh, channel that is going to have the Kansas City-Miami uh, game, Peacock, I can get a movie called Holdover, hold the Holdovers. And if I went to the movie theater to see it, and it's uh, recommended as an Academy Award nominee, if I go to a theater and I tried that, and by the way, recommend you to see it if you stream it or not, once it leaves the theaters, it's, it's tugs at your heartstrings, and it's, and it's great to watch, and it's a basically a true story. The Boys in the Boat, which is the true story about the 1936 Olympic team from Washington. All these kids poor, had no money, nothing. And and the book uh, has won all sorts of awards. It's been out for like three or four years. Get the book. The movie, you'll, you'll love it. It's sappy. It's all those things that you used to root for in the movie theater. You'll love this movie. What's the name but, of it again? But again the Boys in the Boat. Okay. Based upon a true story. Right and and the book I mean is one of the best books I've ever read about sports and about what it's it's bigger than really a sports story. Right about the depression, it's like. But again, I don't go to movie theaters. Uh, that, that that's the positive part about streaming. Uh, other than sports, is I can watch the movies. My screen is as good as anything except the theater screen is much bigger, but I really could care less. So we are, we're seeing technology totally change. And I think to myself, 1936, Burt Bell, Philadelphia Eagles, playing the Brooklyn Dodgers, and, and the start of President at the Creation is really the first TV game that changed football forever
1: yeah yeah and here we are in the 21st century in the third decade of the 21st century and we are talking uh over the internet and this show after i finish editing it and splicing everything together is going to go out over the internet airwaves it's just amazing how full circle we have come with technology and sports and you know it's well, just, and then, and I'm, I'm 57 and I'm amazed. Cause I, obviously I was born when Lombardi was coach of the Packers and spent most of my life watching TV over the air on an analog TV.
2: Yeah. And that, that was, was a completely different time. I've been lucky enough to, to see it all. And I, yeah. I turned 86 this year and, I've been able to see it all, absorb it all, remember it all, and continue to tell the story of when, when it, and and be able to compare it to when it, what it was then and what it is now and why and how I see, again, the changes. And, and again, I want to repeat, I think that everything about the game is better. And there are a lot of things that I really like. The things that I don't like are the things that affect the players and the game and the, and the public that has to be careful that they aren't total suckers. I, I sent out on social media this week, I said, I'm going to get Peacock because I want to watch the game. And then I put at the end of my uh, missive, I said, shame on me. Cause I'm contributing and just giving them, if they have a big number,
1: yeah.
3: Who the hell oh,
2: is what happens next right year?
1: Yeah, I can. I'm like you. I just see everything going to streaming. I mean, I'm fortunate enough over here in Japan to um, have uh, DAZN, and it's a British company, but they've got the NFL con- international contract now. I'll have. I don't have to worry about paying money to to Peacock for anything like that. But yeah, I'm part of the problem well, um, too.
2: So. Well, <laughs> By the way. By the way, because they run out of places to go here, you will you'll live a lot longer than me. But you will see uh, in your lifetime teams in Europe and games. There'll be games in Japan. There'll be games in China. the The NFL is is going to go international for two reasons. They'll tell you because they want to spread the gospel. That's bullshit. They what they have seen is. There's no, there's no place to grow anymore in the United States. Right. They 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 they're they're in every place, and some of the places stink, like Jacksonville, and you know you name it. But you you will see that. So it's great for people in in Europe and Asia because they're going to be able to see it. I don't know how good the game is going to be, but it doesn't make any difference. Right. So. Right. That's that's where you're going to see international games more and more and more.
1: Well, it's funny you should bring that up because there is a book out there that I read. I had the author on my podcast, I think it was last year, um, Keegan Uh Dresso. And his book is called Gridiron Cup 1982. And the best thing about this book, and you will appreciate this more than anybody else, is that your dad is the linchpin for in an alternate history the gridiron game being the game out surpassing soccer or anything um and establishing basically a gridiron world cup I don't know if you I'll after you and I f- wrap up everything I'll send you the link and everything but it's a great book um but yeah I agree with you the international aspect of the I mean they've got to go cuz there is no nowhere else to go
2: no they 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 there isn't. And it's interesting, too, that in some ways, Bert Bell's being rediscovered. There's a guy that I, I, I put his letter and, and his article in. There is a writer by the name of Sam Fortier, a very young guy in his 30s that writes for the Washington Post that wrote a, wrote a column just before the Super Bowl last year and said, I've rediscovered Bert Bell. And he put, he put in his column. All the genius moves by this guy who smoked too much and with cigarette stains all over his desk, he describes Burt Bell, and then, then he writes about his genius um, and and what he did. See, I, I've always maintained that my father could have been successful in anything that he did because of his ability to see so far ahead uh, and and. Background too is remember his father was the attorney general, his mm-hmm. his brother was the governor of Pennsylvania and then chief justice Supreme Court. That's where I, I I get my knowledge of politics and and all the things that go on in this country and and worldwide. Is that we would discuss at the table not just football. We discuss politics, arts. My, my mother, uh, there were so many things that went through my mind that I always felt like I could talk about anything. You could call me and ask about politics. You could ask me about current movies, plays, uh, you know, everything. Because unlike today where nobody comes home for dinner, nobody spends any time except on their computers or at home, their new sex toys is is the cell phone. So, yeah. so, I I got a, I got a, you know, open to everything and heard and, and met people and heard them talk. And I, I got an education, uh, other than my schools, places I went and learned, I got an education every night because we talked about arts, we talked about politics, we talked about music, uh, and it wasn't just sports. And here you had two people. My mother, who was a Zikso folly star, knew people all over the world, uh, uh, traveled as as an actress. You know, met Al Capone, Lindbergh. You got that whole side of history. And then my father, whose background and his family, he was the only person that wasn't a lawyer or or politician. Yet he knew everybody. He knew presidents. He, you know, was in the... In the Harry Truman uh, Presidential Library, Bert Bell's right in the rotunda. A picture of he with Truman in the background. So I'm, I am damn lucky because I was able to learn about a lot of things and particularly about life, what it was like. So as a young kid, I was able to experience all of this, including living in the same house with 33 football players <laughs> In fact, I found a, I found a, uh, I found a check that Bert Bell wrote to a starting offensive center, Bull Lipsky, of like five or six dollars, pay him a week to babysit the bell boys.
1: <laughs> well, let me ask you, with your dad, um we're, when he did the schedule because he's the one that did the schedule.
2: Right.
1: How involved with that were you?
2: Nothing, I just was like watching Bobby Fischer play chess. Ah,
1: okay. Because well, I've true. seen, the. I think there's a, if I remember correctly, there's a picture of your dad with everything lined up and making the schedule. Yeah, so but I was he, just.
2: Was actually, he used dominoes and, and had a board there and moved them all around. He Again, my brother, uh, you know, had the, the, rights to it, but Burt Bell was the one who coined the phrase. On every given Sunday, they say it every. I hear it every week. They just don't remember who said it. And finally, Peter King uh, asked the author of my father's book on on any given Sunday, Bob Lyons of the Associated Press. He said, "I thought Pete Rosell said that." And he said Bob Lyon said no. It was Bert Bell coined the phrase after making up the schedule because the way he made it up was to make sure that the weak played the weak and the strong played the strong. And by the middle of the season, everybody was still in the race. So that's another thing that he did. And it's it's watching him watching him. He would come home from the office and then begin working on that. He did everything. He was the commissioner that did everything.
1: And if your dad would have lived well, a, into the 60s and, and gone with the league into the 60s, do you think that the AFL... At what point do you think he would have tried to come to peace with the AFL sooner rather than as further down the road as it was? Well, what's your take? Well, I mean, just looking well, back at it, already, what do you think?
2: Well, if people got... The book on any given Sunday written like Bob Wines is a whole section in there. He, uh, his former quarterback, Davey O'Brien, uh, who he drafted, Heisman Trophy winner from TCU, uh, ended up uh, being very af- after he left my father's team, retired early and, and went with the FBI and became the best pistol shot in America. And he was the go-between between Lamar Hunt, and my father, that year that that the that my father f- uh, died, and actually, and then the AFL started up in 1960, and asked my father if he would be interested in being commissioner of both leagues. There's a whole section in there on that, and and my father finally there was a secret meeting set up with him and Lamar hunt. And then hunt had asked him if he would be commissioner both legs. And he said, no, but he said, I'll tell you what I want to do. I'm going to Congress. Cause that's another first. My father was the first time lobbyist uh, of any sport. And he registered as a full-time lobbyist he used to go to Washington every Monday or so and, and meet with Congress. And, uh, he he got Hunt to give him permission to announce that there would be a new league and that the NFL fully backed it. So I think if he had lived, there probably would have been peace and some down-the-line merger, although Hollis was against it. But the other thing that most people didn't know, and it's in his book and mine, is that Burt Bell has secretly decided that at the end of the 1959 season, he would resign as commissioner. He had made a secret deal with the with the Philadelphia National Bank to buy his old team, the Eagles, uh, for $950,000. Well, none of us knew it until three days after his death when the bank called and said, we didn't, know, we didn't know anything about it, that we're sorry we can't complete the deal. And we said, what the hell was the deal? And they explained it. So if you lived three more days, you could be in my box at, at the Eagles.
1: <laughs> oh man! But
2: that's the irony of life, you know. That is. So, anyway, that... I think I think we've done it all tonight, or at least we've all. done it
1: all tonight. So, um, for those who uh, are on social media, the best way to find Upton is on Twitter at Upton Bell. And the great thing about Upton Bell's uh, Upton's uh, Twitter account is he talks about everything, not just sports, um, politics. Whether you whether whether you agree with him or not, I always uh, I always love Upton's hot takes on politics. And Upton,
2: well, uh, yeah. pardon me. The other thing I want to add, if I've, I've got two big websites, one that has the whole history of of college and pro football from the 1890s to today, and that's the Upton Bell Collection at UMass Amherst. If they go online, they can see it and and go into all the different categories, and it has my Super Bowl ring, and it has all sorts of stuff in there, including a gold football from George Hallis to me when he won the championship in 1946. There's stuff that I've been offered hundreds of thousands of dollars for, that is in in that case and in that collection, along with the history of the Bell and, and Francis Upton family. So, please go online and take a look at it. If you're in the area at all, go see it at UMass. It's an amazing collection.
1: I will I will add the link to our show liner notes um, when when this when this podcast comes out. So, um, and I'll be spending quality time with it today. Um, here on my side of the world uh, looking at everything that's on there and any anything else any other places I mean you mentioned you got the Upton Bell collection
2: well, I have an, I, there's another collection of 500 of the authors that I've interviewed with each one of their books inscribed and the history of, of them and it's, it's we have like four Nobel Prize winners and over 30 Pulitzer Prize winners it's one of the largest collections anywhere, and uh, it'll eventually have interviews that I've done, not on sports, but with these authors, and you can get that by going online at UMass Lowell, although that hasn't been finished yet, but you can still go on and look at some of them. There's still 300 more to go up there. So, i I also be featured in the New York Times, I think, at the end of this week on the real story of the Patriots Oh, really? And the Patriots now. Yeah, it, it, it'll uh, it'll be. Uh, in fact, the author or the writer for the New York Times, and it'll be in the business section, is Ken Belson, who lived in Japan and, and wrote on Japan and, and business back about 30 or 40 years ago. He's Interesting okay. guy. Okay.
1: Well, I'll be, I'll definitely, I'll be, I'll be hounding you via text probably saying, Hey, is the link out yet? Is the link out yet? Cause you know, you just love, I'm sure my my text at one in the morning when you're trying to sleep.
2: <laughs>
1: and, <Don't problem>. uh, <laughs> well, on that note, my friend, you stay put here cause I want to talk to you before we, we hang up the phone, but at least uh, with the show here for everybody who's listening um, thank you. First of all, thank you very much for listening and please stay tuned for part two of the podcast where, um, Dave Selinsky and I will be sitting down with Fran Duckberry to talk about from Fran is from our sports central, um, um, our sports central. My apologies. Uh, I only had one cup of coffee here today, but we're going to be talking more minor league. Uh, we're going to be talking this week in the minor leagues. We're going to be talking United football league, Press coverage, and I'm sure a whole lot more with Fran. So, for everybody listening, thank you very much for for spending time with Upton and I uh, this morning and this evening. Depending upon where you are in the world, it's evening there in Boston. It's morning time here in Japan, and uh, I'll be we'll be talking to you very soon. And hopefully, Upton, we can have you back on here. I I want to well, I, I spending time I with want, you.
2: I want to say to your audience, Diana Laura.
1: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't matter they got though. Thank you very much, Upton, and uh, for everybody, please stay tuned and uh, we'll be talking to you soon. Bye-bye.
0: This is Johnny United of the Baltimore Colts. Let's go, you Colts.
1: Hi everybody, welcome to part 2 of from the 55 this week. And I am sitting here with Fran and Dave and this part of the show I want to talk about you know I spent a good long time talking with Upton the first part of the show. Um I haven't edited it quite down yet as we as we're talking right now, but it was a long talk. So if you haven't listened to my interview with Upton, um please do because it Upton Bell is a, a is a living legend in in sports. And as I was telling both Fran and Dave here before we hit the record button, Upton Bell is, um, he's a living link to the past. So it was, it was a pleasure to talk to him. Him and I are friends. So it's, it was always, it's, it was great catching up with him. But unfortunately, as I mentioned before we hit the record button, there was one question of Upton I did not ask. And that was about his relationship with Howard Cosell. So hopefully I'll be able to get that in, in a future episode with Upton, because as you heard, as you, as you, hopefully I've heard Upton sounds pretty good for a guy of his age. So how old he's going to be, how
0: old he you though?
1: He's 87 years old.
0: God bless him.
1: Yeah. So, well, Fran, thank you very much for, for joining us again, Dave, you're up there. You know, you guys both right now are, are where the weather really sucks or is about going, is going to suck soon. And I'm sitting here and it's like going to be like close to 60 and sunny today. So my apologies for that. Um, but Fran, you guys had storms roll through Raleigh and everything this past week. How how did that how how did how how bad was it? Well, uh, my, my, my my security jobs uh, the school closed early five o'clock
0: so I was able to get home and still get paid that day. And uh, my second job at Coca booth, uh, I wasn't scheduled to work this week, but they had to, they had to end the last week of at Chinese Lantern Festival because the just uh, got destroyed with that weather. Mm. that costs them tons of money tons because everyone usually toward the end if you have a ticket for that event you're gonna go so they lost tons of money because of the storm damage but i mean i didn't lose any power or any flooding so okay well that's that's that's
1: the key right there flooding dave how about you man you guys got the shovels at the ready now yeah we got they're at the ready we're probably looking more saturday into sunday it's just
4: like 65 mile an hour winds right now so we have a couple events going on here at the facility. So I had to come in and just make sure with some campers and some pickleball and make sure everything's going well. So
1: yeah, I had to gotcha. hop in tonight. So eh. gotcha. well, job. before, before we, good. when yeah, I got right. up this morning, I was tuning into the news from Chicago and it was, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, it looks, the snow looks bad, but I'll, yeah. all I kept thinking is, oh yeah, no, I'll take that snow over what's coming in after it. Cause it's going to be that Arctic blast is coming in.
4: It's gonna
1: be cold. Yeah, yeah, and and obviously, you know, we're recording today too because I wanted to get this in before the playoffs started. And for you know, we got the playoffs coming up here, and I wanted to sit down with you guys without any distraction because that first game up, I think the first game up, Fran, the first game up is, if I remember from the, my phone correctly, that's the Kansas City Miami game, right?
0: Well, actually, actually, the four, the four, is the uh, four thirty game, the uh, Browns and the uh, and Houston. Okay. And the Miami game is the Peacock game. Well, that's that's, that'll be an interesting discussion. Well, the first stream playoff game in NFL history. So that'll be well, let's
1: talk. Let's, you know, let's use that as our jumping off point. So, what's your take on both your guys's take on NFL um, going to Peacock?
0: A little petty because I kind of feel like, uh, I mean, you can be over the network. And it's not really necessary. But at the same point, it's only like $5. And if you spend yeah. $5, you can use for other streaming services. And people, they just got Peacock. I'll recommend one movie for, for it. Get the holdovers. It, it, with 12 to your money, it's a great movie. You'll you definitely recommend that. But in general, it's, people are complaining because they don't want to pay. But those people may have no money. So we'll see. Yeah.
1: How
4: about you, Dave? They paid a lot of money? And the NFL is going to take it, and I'll watch it because I have it.
0: <laughs> well, is it a question they picked the? Uh, is it a question they picked the game with with, with Taylor Swift that, that has an impact on that? So maybe all those music fans for Taylor Swift are going to get Peacock <laughs> just to watch uh, a glimpse of our TV.
4: You know what? It's about money, and they're gonna, they're going to follow the money every time, and, yeah, and it- it, if someone wants to pay it. All 32 owners are going to gladly take it. Well, how about this, Greg?
0: Do you think ever in our lifetime
4: there'll ever be a Super Bowl just on,
0: on
1: a streaming service? It's yes and no, yes and no. Because here's why. Here's why I say yes. It's going to happen because it's on a streaming service already. DAZN is the international provider for the NFL for for all the games. So over here in Japan. I don't have the NFL Sunday ticket. I have the NFL game pass, which gets me every game live. Uh, it, it it gets me every game live, including past game. I mean, it's just, it's an, it's a full service and I pay less money than what you guys would pay for the NFL Sunday ticket on YouTube. So it's already streaming internationally. Now in the States, a couple things factor in here. I it's over the air TV. And with over-the-air TV, everything's obviously digital now, but the standards are changing for over-the-air TV. But until over-the-air TV goes away, I can't see the NFL going away from antenna TV for the Super Bowl, at least in our lifetime. That's well, my Greg,
0: take. Well Greg, wouldn't, wouldn't it kill uh, sponsorships? Why would, why would a Super Bowl sp- spend a fortune on, on on commercials if if people didn't have as much access to it? You know, why would it, why would a sponsor want to be be on Super Bowl if it's on a streaming service? I wouldn't.
1: Yeah, well yeah, no, I agree with you. Yeah, that, that's that's a great argument. And but we're at a at, at a point now with with I mean, cable's dying. Cord so cutters. You got, you got cord cutters, cable's dying. Over the air TV is going to be the way people watch sports, I th- live sports, at least for the foreseeable future, but streaming. But that's only if you're in an area that can get that. I know, you know, you guys are in major metropolitan areas, but, you know, you go further out. Like I grew up out, I grew up south of Chicago. So we were dependent upon that, that antenna feed from Chicago. But you go even farther. I mean, you get some areas you don't have um, it's hard to get a signal over the air. And with digital TV, it's not like analog TV in the past. You know, remember analog TV, you could get a fuzzy signal, but you could still watch a game, not with digital. You've got to have a strong signal. And if you don't have a strong signal, you got to get a, you got to, you got to get a, um, an antenna booster. I could get all geeky and very, cause I, I tried all this when I was living in Chicago with, Using an uh powered antenna booster, but like for just a regular guy, it's not very tech, tech savvy. Um, it's either going to be over the air streaming, uh, you know, I, but to ant- to go to what you're saying, Fran, I I don't I think you're going to see the Super Bowl stream go to streaming solely, but we're all on, gonna, we're going to all be dead by then because right, I don't see we... antenna TV going away.
0: Right, before we change topics, let's talk about. Our favorite US league that had a couple of games on Peacock that you actually invested to watch, or I mean, remember they had a couple of Peacock only games that some people complained about on social media that they wanted to, that they didn't want to pay for
1: how to watch a handful of games. Give me a break, just chip uh, in and get it. Well, okay, so let's talk about Peacock. So I'm glad NBC is not part of this league this year because it looks to me just based upon what i'm seeing and dave i don't know if if you you've taken a look too is espn plus is going to be again providing simulcast streaming feeds is that the way it? that's the way it appears to me you mean, for to the playoffs these, right no no for the the ufl oh
4: yes yes for the ufl yeah debbie you know i mean at the end of the day that looks like that's the partnership and it's that's the right, the smart play I mean, having it on Fox, ESPN Plus, or Plus being ABC here and there, I think that's the right way to go. Um, that's where the money is. That's where the money is coming from. That's the most solid support. And if NBC wants to go in a different direction, that's perfectly fine. It, as, as long as they're on a network, I think that's the key. Being on, or on over-the-air television, that's the key. Greg, right. I will make one prediction. The, the weakest
0: uh, ratings that we're going to get with these UFL games, guess what? It's going to be Fox Sports 1. That's going to be the weakest oh, rating. Oh, yeah. The yeah. They're, yeah. they're, they're, they're going to be buried. The fans are going to be crying. What, well, you know, because Fox Sports 1 doesn't have the penetration. And plus, people just right. – Fox Sports 1, you, you can't get that in sports bar. People are not – when you go to sports bar, you're not, you're not, it's not going to be on, on those games. So
1: Well, it's like with ESPN+. Plus. If you've got to go – I mean – the numbers I'm sure weren't great for ESPN plus for streaming because you had to go look for the game. It's not like, you know, you're at home turning on your TV and just channel surfing. If you're channel surfing, yeah, obviously you're going to find, you know, the, um, a game on, and I, again, I'm using, I'm talking Chicago speak here, either channel two, five or seven, it's going to pop up. But if you're, if you got, if you, if the game's on FS1 and you got to go look for it, uh, you're a diehard fan then if you know where to find it. Well,
0: on my spectrum it's channel 400 so not everybody's going to go that high in their channel guide to find it.
1: Yeah, it's just it's cable's dying and streaming like you said. I mean streaming is the way that the future is going but I think it's going to be I think the future is going to be streamed and simulcast all at the same time for a while. I mean look at look at the NFL playoffs. The games are on NBC and Peacock
4: and then you have paramount plus uh, cbs and paramount plus i mean it, it, they're all pairing up they're all they're all partnering with their streaming partner i mean it just that's how it's going to be i mean it's just you have the people who have over the air and then you have the people who are streaming and you're going to hit that niche and you're going to make sure it's it's you get enough of those deals and you you get what you need and you, you're going to find it. And you're going to, if you want to watch the NFL, you're going to have to support four streaming services at the end of the day or yeah. three, depending on who and what you want to watch. It's just, it, it, it's like the old cable. You got 157 yeah. channels. Now you only have 40 channels, but you're paying for the 40 you want, which is everything we wanted. But now we're realizing, well, maybe it wasn't as good as good of a deal as getting 150 channels.
0: So yeah. what about people that have ki- a question for people that have kids? What do you guys think about the Nickelodeon game? I think it's both to be on the show. What do you what do you guys think about Nickelodeon? That slime stuff. Is it fun Love or it. is it gonna get people to watch? Are people gonna care? Does it really care towards those families if, that- if,
1: you, if here's my take, Fran, if you can get kids to watch football, you're 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 basically that recruiting a new fan. Because having it on Nickelodeon and the way they did it is genius. Spongebob. Everybody loves Spongebob. Because you're attracting kids to a a game that they might not otherwise watch. And that's how the NFL has survived all these years. You know, it would be nice if baseball started doing that. You know, start, because baseball fan base is getting older. CFL, same way. They're not attracting new fans. But the NFL knows how to attract new fans. And I don't know if it's because of NFL films or... Whatever, but they've always been able to figure out how to keep the fan base young. So and that's Greg, my. And Greg, that's Greg, my. I'll, I'll give
0: you a perfect example. If the game's not entertaining, I'll I'll flip it over, watch it on Nickelodeon, and just watch the slime and the. If the game's entertaining, then I'll watch it over on the network. But if it's if it's if it's that hand, woo slime and and young if you see young Sheldon nonsense, rule explanations. That's mm-hmm. more entertaining.
4: A uh, block game will still keep me awake.
1: Yeah. And is there well, only? Oh, go ahead, Dave. I'm sorry.
4: Well, and and that's the fun part about this is. They're not expecting diehard football fans to watch this. That's not the point. I mean, right. that's why you see the Manning cast and you see three different, like you'll, you'll see the experimentation where they're have the main football feed. And then you have people sitting around a, a table talking about the game because they know people who want football are going to watch that main game. And now it's everybody else. Yeah. And you know what? Maybe, maybe a dad and his kids or his sons and his daughters, you know what, we're going to give a half to Nickelodeon because now this is going to be something fun. And then that's how you build a bond for Sundays, watching it as a family. So, I mean, I think it's great. And Nickelodeon's paying for it. Like, it's one of those things where it's like, you know what, the NFL wouldn't be doing it or any of these leagues or teams wouldn't be doing it unless it made financial sense and it made viewership sense. And then that's self-sponsorship. I mean, that's what this whole thing's all about. It's about generating at the end of the game, at the end of the day, these games are about generating revenue. Well, look at what Pat McAfee's doing with college football. His
0: own uh, he has his own audience and he's just doing his rambling on and on. But people are people are watching to hear what he has to say. Like the Howard Stern effect. You don't know what he's gonna say or shoot off and he's having you know, shoot you know, he's going I always have a tire rates, you never know. Yep.
1: Yeah, and the whole obviously the whole I won't even get in the Aaron Rodgers thing, but the whole Aaron Rodgers thing. I'm curious how that's going to play out next year. <laughs> because, Where? well, with Pat Mack, if you know, Aaron made a comment about one of ABCs. He's done. Is he? He, wait. he won't be back. Oh, he's not. Because I thought I heard he's something. He's, he's not. He's not. I heard. I heard, I heard something. He's coming back on. I heard they flip. At least I thought I heard they flip flopped. But he's done. Last I heard he was done. Okay.
0: And unfortunately, Greg, I'm sorry for a Jets fan. I am still not optimistic about this Jets season next year. So unless he gets some high profile wide receiver, oh it's
1: gonna be, I'm gonna be living on a red zone. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, Aaron Rod, eh, I don't know. I mean, now that he's away from the now he's gone from the Packers, but you know, the all the Packers did was just reload. I mean, the the Packers didn't really <laughs> lose a step without him. I mean Maybe a little bit, but the Jordan Love, who they got to replace him, I think is a quality replacement. So I oh, don't know. And, it, and they saved a ton of money from paying him and put that towards other players.
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's what all the, that's that's what every team does. If you save forty million dollars here, it, they're going to spend it on four players. That's going to buy like, you.
1: That's going to buy you a new line and. You got a young kid at quarterback. You, you basically paying the same.
4: Yeah, he's still he's got a he's got a team friendly contract. They just saved forty million dollars or whatever I forgot whatever that last year was. It might have been fifty million dollars. Now you know what? Hey, now now they found a couple receivers for. Now they found a couple receivers for Jordan Love. And they found the running back and look a left a, a left tackle that can block. Like it's shocking when when you have. Extra fifty million dollars. That hey, we can put people around you, yeah. and that's what made that's what made Tom Brady so love him or hate him. I growing up an an AFC East Bills fan, gotta respect the guy. He always yeah. took the low amount of money. He wanted a team around him because he wanted to win. Winning was more impo- more important than
1: getting than than getting paid for it. He wanted yeah. to, he wanted to win. Well, speaking of the Patriots. Belichick era is over, finally. And look at the dumb hire they, they added. Come on, Uh a
0: guy already there? Come on, give me a break. Boring. Wait, so did
1: they replace him? My, Belich- Jeremiah, yeah. Whoa, 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 because I'm out of the news loop over here. So they replaced Belichick with somebody else? They, they found already, somebody yes. else? Yeah, the, the, really? linebacker, the
0: linebacker coach in their system. Boring. Oh, so. well. I think already. Well, here's the thing: if they actually draft a good, if one of these quarterbacks turns out to be a star, they'll be fine. I think it's gonna be the LSU quarterback. They're gonna get in third pick. We'll see. But if they get a decent quarterback, then they might get back. We'll see.
1: Yeah, Dave. I know as a Bills fan, you're not crying about Belichick leaving. Nope. <laughs> but, and what I know I Fran do? as I mean, a Jets fan. You're not crying. Yeah, the
0: yeah the one day job. Get the hell out of here. You can go. You can you can go. Hasta la vista, baby. You know, the Jets coach one day. Get the hell out of here.
1: So well, uh, you know, I don't know. And then he got Sabin leaving to Alabama, which again, I, I don't think anybody's you know, even Saban's not crying because I think he's he's laughing all the way to the bank. So it, all of know. them are. That's the thing with these coaches well, now. They leave, well, they're low. I mean, why they don't they never have to work again the well, rest of their life.
0: Great. Guess what? Billy will probably be a coach next year, on another team. Some team's are gonna pick him up. You I know, can see they, that. I mean, maybe the Eagles if they lose this week. We'll see. That's what we'll, we'll see what happens. something well, gonna pick them up. Or the Falcons, those guys want waste money. Go ahead. We'll
4: With, we'll be with uh with Belichick uh leaving and Saban retiring here er,
1: Pete Carroll's getting uh no attention, be basically run out of town. Yeah, yeah. But it, I mean, Pete's 72, Belichick's oh, yeah. 70. They're I mean. Listen, I was forced to retire when I was age 55. So it's like I'm sitting here going, yeah, I don't know. If I were their age, I'd be like, okay, it's time to just like to be done and just enjoy, you know, life. So I I don't know. I don't know. I'd be curious to see how they're – where they go in the future and obviously who replaces them. So, well, gents, the, the next item I want to talk about is – And Fran, this is really directed to you. Your latest column with our sports central came out and let's talk indoor football. And when I say indoor football, I mean, all the indoor leagues. Okay. We're going, I mean, obviously we're in January right now. And I looked on the, on the, the new, the American, the American football league arena football league website. I still don't see teams listed. And I know there are teams I've seen on social media, What's going on with the the new AFL? Is it going to actually happen, or is this going to turn out to be vaporware like so many other indoor leagues that have – or other even outdoor leagues that have come up and just never happened?
0: Well, What's it's it's very 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 vague. Unless you read some blogger that thinks he knows everything. Uh, I don't know a damn thing about this. Like, there's no press releases, There's no nothing. Uh, schedules, nothing. It's all smoke and mirrors. Uh, somebody spread a rumor that the games are gonna be on the NFL Network. I'll see you. but how the NFL
1: touches that? And what about? I mean, obviously, the everybody's like gaga <coughs> over this Arena Football League coming back, but there's another indoor league. The Indoor Football League, which has been around for years, where are they? What for those who don't know anything about the Indoor Football League, tell, describe what the Indoor Football League is and how it came to be, and kind of where it's at right now. I mean, I know you've gone to, I mean, you've you've traveled all over and and, and watched sports of all kinds. So, how is the Indoor Football League different from the Arena Football League? It's more of a running league. Uh, runs a little bit more
0: emphasis. Uh, and also, I mean, as you know, they had a relationship with the XFL last year when they had combine with some of those right. IFL players signed with XFL team. I don't know. I wonder if that relationship is going to continue. We'll, we shall see.
1: Okay. And obviously, there's other indoor football leagues too. I think Champions Indoor Football League. Well, that, um, that's
0: gone. That's gone. That's
1: gone. Oh, it's of gone. Will, okay. We
0: Rafe will absorb that. Okay. National Arena League. That's the that's the one with uh Carolina and the Midwest and the rest of the Midwest teams. Uh AI, AIF is vaporwave joke. Okay. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't touch that league either, but uh they th- those people think they're they're know-it-alls, but no thanks.
1: Well, with these indoor leagues, what is it about the indoor game that may, that causes all these leagues to keep cropping up or hanging around for so long? Is there money? To, I mean, are people making money in these indoor leagues? It's like a cockroach that never wants to die. That's what it seems like. Okay. But it's just
0: I mean, it seems like people I mean, in, in the past in the, in, the, in the Hades Arena Football, it was a badge of honor when you had that city commitment and everything else. But After a while, People are not going to get tired of losing money. We saw happen happened to read Football, like, you know, Charles Wang, P- Casey Washman. People will eventually, Gene Simmons with the LA Kiss. If you lose money, eventually you're going to stop. You can't just keep on losing money forever and ever and ever. I don't care how cool it is or what family member, it, it, eventually the, it, it runs dry and people are going to fold. So
1: is, it seems, is it more like a vanity project for people? Just, hey, this would be cool to own a football team and they don't realize. How much money they're going to lose, and then, then they just say they just have – Is that what it is? Are people not doing the research as to what ownership and it's like buying a new, you know, it's like you know adopting a new new pet. Oh, it'd be great and everything. And then you get the new pet at home and realize, oh, this is a lifetime commitment. It's really a joke when it, when it, when you have a team that falls
0: during the season. That's that's the embarrassment. If you're a league, fund the team to the end of the season. Otherwise, it's, it's a joke. You just please, it's you see. Say face by, but these teams don't want these leagues to want to spend money. The other dumb thing is, these leagues should have money put up front. Yes, so in case you run out of money, you get funded for the rest of the season. That's just my take.
1: Okay. And then I know going through social medias before we hopped on and everything, the Iowa Rampage tell people about the Iowa Rampage and what's going on with them. And uh, the floor is yours, my friend, on this one because um, I just caught I caught it. And I'm like, okay, I'll I'll wait to talk to Fran, and he'll explain it to me.
0: Well, uh, the team hasn't played one down all season long. You had a coach that basically, like, I was talking to Paul Reese from R Sports Central, and he was telling me he this coach was defending the Arena Football League left and right. This is this is great, blah 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 blah. And guess what? He's already fired. What is going on? I have no idea. What a joke. You, why hire him in the first place? And the other thing is, on Facebook, why not put up on a website? You have a, a screenshot of a, of a press release. What a joke.
1: That Nobody can read. And when it when it comes to the arena football, like, I mean, you got, like I said, the only team I know of are, what, the Iowa Rampage. I think you got the Chicago Rush coming in. Eventually. So, I mean, From what you've, I mean, I looked on the website. There are no teams listed. So honestly, I mean, I'd have to go research which teams have been announced. But do you think? You know, I'm going to be honest. I mean, I'll ask you your opinion. You think this is? You think? Do you think it's going to launch when it's scheduled to launch?
0: It will launch, but it will just it'll get it'll get through the season. Honestly, I'll I'll make a prediction already. I think I already think we we already know who's going to win the champs this year. And you you want to know who that is? Your Orlando Predators because they have a history of. They've had a league forever with the um, Arena Football League, National Arena League. They seem to know what they're doing with, with, with this team. And the thing is, the fan base still will follow. They'll get 7,000 fans, even if it's crap, because they love because they love going to games. So, uh, I'll make a prediction. Uh, Orlando's going to win. Uh, we still don't even know. The, the Minnesota myth. That's funny about this league. This league is a myth. Uh, Ricky Foggy is the coach. Uh, we don't even know what arena they're playing in yet. So, uh uh, how can you sell tickets to games when you don't have an arena announced? Philadelphia-Soul, some people say they're a travel team. Then the Soul fans claim they're going to get a market. Uh, why have a team in the league that, that's on the road? makes no sense. Okay. That's, that's just a,
3: so.
1: Okay. And um, changing gears slightly here, our Sports Central covers women's soccer. Um, what's going on with the professional game, the women's professional game? It, it, if I'm reading the headlines right, it sounds things are positive it's getting better because this national women's soccer league. It's they have
0: four TV networks now, uh, you know, with the, with the TV deals with, uh, with ESPN, CBS, uh, scripts and Ion. so they have Amazon prime, but they have, a uh, they have, you know, four, four ga- games. They have expansion in Utah and, uh, at Bay, 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 FC. I cover those kind of encourage like and, and those games are awesome. So I mm-hmm. I live, I live like 15 minutes from there. I have a, a women's soccer league in my backyard where I get to have fun, enjoy the games. Um, and 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 they ha- they're having an NWSL draft tonight that they're having on TV, and uh, they're doing well. I mean, I mean, the, the quality of play is good. And then we have another league that's going to launch in in August, the United the uh, USL Super League, which is going to be uh, they're not going to be competing competing with the league, but they're going to be at different times. So that's going to be a league that, you know, that people are going to be these women's fans are going to support both leagues because they're not competitors. So I, I'm probably going to go to a game in Charlotte in August with a home opener just to check it out, but uh. Women's soccer is fun to watch. It's exciting. It's fun to watch compared to the men's side with these other leagues. It's a, it's a better, it's a more finesse product, you
1: know. So, and are people are people turning out to the games? Well, over the network, they are. I mean, uh, no, I mean just like well, not only ratings but also attendance wise, you know, butts and seats. Well, Portland loves their
0: their team, so uh, it's and this new mar- and watch out for this Can't See with that brand spanking arena. Everything they already sold out the place. San Diego loves it, so uh, they have a lot of hot markets. It seems like one of the weakest markets, unfortunately, is North Carolina Courage because it's uh, the thing is they got to spend more money to get more better players to get more fans into it. Because a couple a couple years ago when they won championships, they were getting ten thousand fans a game. So we'll see what happens. But uh, I mean, some like some of the markets you know, they do well. But the thing is, the problem is you got, you got to have to, you have to spend money and get players and, and, uh, and you also have to win. If you win, you'll do well. So that's
1: how, how it works. Right. And also too, with women's hockey, pro hockey, um, that seems that's, that's trending, trending upward as I, as I like to say, and with the league, it's the North American hockey league, correct?
0: The pressure women's hockey leagues. You talking about women's hockey? The, the
1: professional league? women's hockey league. It's well, well this. Point, oh wait, this point I'm. Here. I'm sorry. I'm looking at the. <laughs> I'm looking at the wrong thing on on the screen here. Um, I'm looking at the the Western. Well, we've got the Western Hockey League. That yeah, those are juniors. Yep, those are juniors. Okay, my apologies. I'm sorry. Um, yep. I've only had professional one. Professional women's hockey morning. league. PWHL. Okay. Well,
0: he, d- Dave is the expert. Well, we'll let the expert of women's hockey, the the guru. This is a. Everybody's going to tune in this week to hear his expert because he knows his sport better than anyone. Dave, the forum's all yours. Huh.
4: It's exciting. I mean, I've, I've been watching the games. They're on their YouTube. So it's easy to get. Anybody can get them. They're getting 14, 15, 16, 18,000 people watching them. They're filling arenas. Um, was it M- Minnesota broken another record? They had an awesome crowd. Like I said, the games are exciting. I mean, I like I I have nieces and I I like watching them play hockey. I, I like the Olympics. I like women's hockey. Period. It, it's great. I'll be honest. It, this is hopefully hopefully it succeeds. That the game the games are well. The support is well. It seems like every day um, the league is announcing another sponsor. I mean, obviously C- Canada has certainly embraced it, but it's getting good crowds and getting good. It's getting good. Good Market penetration where the teams are in the United States as well. So I'm not being I'm not being naive that it's going to rival anything, but it it I think after a few weeks, it's it's got a place in uh, the marketplace and hopefully hopefully it continues to thrive. I mean, I it's just it it's been fun games. I have to say, if you get a chance, look the highlight packages, jump on YouTube, watch the game. It's fun. I mean, uh-huh. I, I love the I love the idea. Now, this is one of the rules they're using. I love the idea that if you short if you score a shorthanded goal, penalties over. I like it. I like it. It's making teams stretch the ice. It's making the defense not just sit in a shell. It, it's a push a little bit. And it's, and it's fun. I like I like some of the I like, I like that new rule. It's like, huh, never really thought about it. You know what? Pretty cool. <laughs> well, Dave,
0: here's my here's my one critique, maybe Greg can chime in. I'm disappointed they don't have the, the nicknames out. I mean, they, they had enough of a lay over to do that. I, don't, I mean, maybe do you know why they didn't? I mean, they're going to do it next year, but they should have had nicknames in place for branding purposes. It would it would even bring more people. Or do they really want to make sure they get the right branding in place.
4: to hit it out of the park. Honestly, I don't. I mean, I mean, I don't know. For me. Those old name the team contests and all that stuff. I've I've been a part of enough of those. They're rigged. If, if, they, if, if they if they want to be part of Montreal or New York and then work into a name and and build something with the community to get even a stronger bond, I'm good. I mean, if it, if if they were the, I don't know. I'm trying to think of the Mo- the Montreal whatever's. I don't I don't know. I guess I guess for me the the whole nickname thing for these for these teams is not a it's not a big deal for me. Um I, I like the concentration they've been talking to some of the general managers on shuffling the organizations because of international games and making sure they're getting cohesiveness on the teams. So if they don't have a name for it I'm I'm perfectly fine with it. It it, for me, it doesn't take anything away from what they're putting on the ice or the product they're putting on YouTube or or whatever. Right.
1: Um, I and mean, also, too, I mean, in, 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 foot, in, in English football, you know, they don't have really – they've got nicknames. But, you know, when it comes to Liverpool, I'm rooting for Liverpool, not the nickname. And I, off the top of my head, I couldn't even tell you what Liverpool's nickname is or Arsenal or all those. So, I mean, it's not unheard of. But hmm? here's here's one thing for these games, the playoff games, the cha- I want the, the the
0: championship game on on national TV on cable. I want it where people can watch. I actually be on TV where they can watch it or record it. Don't have it on YouTube. Don't bury it. Please get on a network where fans can actually watch the game. And then if, if I'm out, I can tape it and get my gist when I get home.
4: But but Fran, at this point in time, the only way they're going to be on network TV is to buy is to buy a two three hour block. And I'm that doesn't afraid. that that doesn't work for their financial model. Nope. Or we a football and They get buried. I think I think they have a great I think they have a great concept. They have a great idea, and what they're going to do is instead of paying like Vince McMahon did to be on NBC or be a partner and 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 actually put money into this, you know what? We're going to put our games on YouTube. We're selling a ton of tickets. We're getting a lot of publicity. You know what, Lester month. and the numbers are great eighteen thousand people watching a professional women's hockey game on a Tuesday night. Yeah,
0: well, that's a to me
4: to me, that's great. Now, granted, that rating on obviously they're not going to be on NBC or CBS, but what's going to be that rating if they paid four hundred thousand dollars to be on W or Bravo or or or, or anything like? I mean, I, I guess, and then the we're game. limiting ourselves. We're limiting on how many people have access to ESPN2. Now you're taking all these young girls out of the equation because now they have to go find somewhere. Now they have to have a subscription. It's like all these young girls and all these kids and all their target audience knows YouTube better than anybody.
1: Yeah. All I got to so do you know is just click
4: and look. And, and again, and
1: everybody's watching on their phone too. Yeah.
4: And and it's everywhere, everywhere, The stream is amazing. Yeah. I mean, it is crystal clear, no issues. So there's oh, money yeah. being spent. Yeah. So yeah, it's that, like, you know what? That's good. That's good. That's gonna grow them faster than uh having an ad be placed on a on a, on a broadcast and get XFL numbers. Mm-hmm.
0: And plus, you can stream it on your Apple TV, so you can you can actually get a YouTube. F- you know feed but you, it'll be like watching on tv so
1: yeah yeah i, I, don't, I, mean, know, YouTube, I don't know
0: i don't know other leagues.
1: yeah youtube is you know you and i we've all had this discussion before but youtube is the uhf channel for the world it's got everything and all you got to do i mean it's just it's listen without youtube uh i think i'd be going insane here in japan because that's how i get my nightly news my, all my news from america i get it off of youtube and uh Hey guys, before we wrap everything up here, because and I I want to do this longer, but unfortunately, um, I got a handyman here at the house, so we won't keep we won't stay on the on the line too long. But Fran, um, what else is going on in the world of sports that that you that you covered last week and that you're going to be writing about this week?
0: Well, this week, uh, we have the uh, we have the. And, uh, the NWL draft, we have that, and also what happened with uh, NWSL, we have the old rain that finally they finally rebranded as Seattle Seattle Rain, and the and now we have that Mississippi team uh, in, in, in that Southern League. Now they're Columbus, Georgia. That's a the Braves want to be, be close to the homes. And they want to save money. So this the thing is, I love about the week around the leagues. Sometimes uh, things come out of nowhere. Things come out of nowhere, and uh, and also tomorrow morning I'm going to interview the Pro Volleyball Federation. Found the Dave Wyndham, who, if you go, if you guys know him in real football days, he's a long long-timer evolve as a coach of arena football. So I'm gonna actually talk to about the seven teams, about the team, about their TV partners and all, and see if if pro women's volleyball can make it. Dave, what do you think?
4: Can it make it? Sure, I, I think I, I I'm looking forward to it. I'm definitely gonna watch it. Yeah, I, I I'm this is this is my opinion, out of this. I'm in favor of every single sporting event or sports league that can pay athletes create jobs for people in the offices and sustain people to live I think it's great I've said it before I worked 20 years in professional sports it was an amazing 20-year run and I would like everybody I mean the pay is not the great but I didn't do it for the pay so if you can if you can get these teams and leagues and they can sustain themselves, Do it. I love it. Well, in a couple of weeks, I'm flying to Atlanta and I'm going to see the Atlanta vibe,
0: a home opening against the San Diego Mojo. I'm hoping Carrie Walsh Jennings is there, the the co owner of of San Diego. She's an Olympian. I'm like, I'm like, if I talk to Dave, I'm like, please let me get her as a guest. Because this is—it's the credibility to have her involve All she's done in sports, and, and like I say, hopefully Dave can open up more doors to me to get more access to some of these these, these valuable players, and uh, it'll be fun. I'm looking forward just to having something fun. They get me on CBS Sports Network, they'll be on some of the streaming services, but and the, it's going to be just a fun team. And I mean, I'm hoping to give me a team in the Carolinas eventually that I can go to and support. We'll see.
1: Man, we got pro volleyball here in Japan, and it's actually on network TV. So occasionally, you know, occasionally yeah. you can stumble on games. So it's, 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 I mean, it's, it's taken off. Pro volleyball in Europe is huge, huge. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And yeah. they give you, and they give you a decent living between $60,000 $100,000. That's not bad for home with volleyball. The rosters are going to be around 11 players. But hey, man, if you can come on, how many kids are. You can make that much money playing a professional sports? Not that much, you know. WMA players have struggles getting amounts like that. So, right, I, I, right. by all means, you know, uh, I'll be very interested to in talk to Dave, get his vision, and see how, and what's to see how this league goes over the next couple of years. Yep.
1: Yeah. Well, guys, on that note, I you I don't know if you can can hear it on my end, but I got hammering going on here. So we'll we will end the show here. And for everybody who is listening. Fran, where can everybody find you uh, and all your work at uh, online?
0: rsportscentral.com. I only, I only a random guy's friend requesting me on Facebook. No thanks.
1: Okay, and uh, with Dave and I here at From the Fifty Five, you can find. And actually, if you got any questions for Fran or anything, you can send. You can go to our our Twitter account, message us at From the Fifty Five, and we'll pass that along to Fran. And uh, you know. Hopefully, get hopefully answer any questions on air the next time around. So, well,
0: Greg, one thing I'd love to do to make the show even more fun is to answer fan questions. You know, we we have so much fun with that. So, I don't know how it's worked in past shows. If we get questions, that'll be a you know, make the fans even more involved. And we'll mention the names because if if a fan hears a name mentioned, they're going to share it with all their friends. You know how it works,
1: right? Yep, you exactly. Know, people people yeah.
0: love their anyone. We as we go on our Facebook. If you, if, someone, if you mention someone's name, they're like they're like passing out like a gaga rock star. Come on, you know how it works. And we know <laughs> who the people are. Yep.
1: Uh yeah. No, I know. I know. You well, mentioned the name, like, oh, and, and they're like,
0: oh, wow, I'm so popular <laughs> on a world the people that nobody cares about. Look if we mention Lost Mysterio's name, he's gonna be like, Oh, I'm the god now. Everybody knows who I am. I go on knows and fight with fans every- that
1: mean absolutely nothing. Oh come on! Everybody knows who Los Mysterious. Oh, is. Yeah, the most
0: passionate fan. I mean, here, I, I, most- even questioned, I even question. I even question my Facebook. Why don't you just create a website and voice your opinions there? And it says spamming every group and getting into arguments with people on on Facebook. Then you know, casual acquaintances mean absolutely nothing in the real world. But
1: he liked the comment. Okay, well, he didn't block me, so who cares? Well, I, I'm, I'm you know, unfortunately I can't see his his comments anymore because well, he blocked me. So. And on that note, I will uh, wrap the show up here. Thank you very much for listening. And we will be talking again with you next week. Bye-bye.
5: Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team.